Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hello. Holy shit, it is working. And welcome to the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I am Joe, and with me, hopefully, is Liam. Yeah, I'm here, buddy. Uh, standing by you. They're thick and thin, and Zencaster just taking a fucking dump everywhere. For a little peek behind the scenes here at the Lions Led by Donkeys studio, uh, my headphones broke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which um, the same pair of headphones I've been using since we started this podcast. They finally died. Rest in peace, homie. I'll never forget you. However, that left me with a small problem of not having any other kind of headphones um, other than my workout Bluetooth headphones, which are not good. Um, and my my normal recording setup does not allow me to use Bluetooth. So I am now using my like backup laptop, which I never use to record, um, which also meant... <laughs> That I did not have the uh, hell of a way to die. Uh, uh, Z- uh, Lines led by donkeys joint Zencaster account password saved. Uh, <laughs> Everything is really going fucking great for us, honestly. It's so bad. Um, and then the the link wouldn't work. Zencaster kept crashing. So we can, is it for people who don't know anything about podcasting? Zencaster is a platform we use so we can record because uh, we're thousands of miles apart. It sucks, but somehow it is the best platform at what it is because like zoom takes up too much uh, too many resources discord sucks for it um so now we're finally recording um and jesus fucking christ it is too early for me to be doing this <laughs> i'm too angry i'm ready to go back to bed and like, like an angry old man I, I need my nap um liam how are you doing buddy <laughs> tell me something better uh well your uh your alma mater just knocked off number four Kentucky. Oh, that's a shame. College I hate basketball, if you care about mater. that, I know you do. Well, you know, you know. I, I wish nothing but bad things happened to that university. Something good. I don't know what's something good that happened today. Uh, I left work early. Chris left to work early. There you go. We hung out while I had a migraine. We we had to we had to dig, but we found something good, despite the fact because it was a migraine. On the bright side, Liam, we do have something that is a bigger disaster than this podcast currently is. Um, <laughs> is it the Imperial Japanese Navy getting owned, Joe? Uh, it is. Um, it's always a, a fun one to go back and beat the drum to, but uh, we're talking specifically about the Japanese battleship Yamato. Um, and the reason why is because it is the biggest, dumbest goddamn battleship to be built, and it died in the most Japanese Navy during World War II way possible. <laughs> Um, and, now, I think we've made it something of well-known fact here on the show that we like dumb stuff. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like, especially when it comes to weapons. Like, obviously, everybody knows I was a tank crewman. So, like, I obviously you don't become a tank crewman because you like tanks a little bit. 
Um, you're like you're you're a full blown tank nerd. It's kind of like my name is so conceived, and this is War Thunder. <laughs> actually, never played War Thunder before. I don't believe you. People in the podcast Discord constantly try to get me to play it. I think I've played one game with them a couple of times, and I just fucking hate it. Um, like long time ago, when Alice was on the show, we gushed for probably about thirty minutes about how much we like dumb old battleships. Um, and this is like you know, the, this is the king of dumb old battleships, except it's you know, it's dead. Um. So we're going to talk about the Japanese battleship Yamato. And the main source for this episode is Russell Spurs, A Glorious Way to Die, um, which is a solid name. Uh, there, I did use other sources, so please check the full bibliography uh, for, all, for everything. Also, the book is from 1981, um, uh, so it reads kind of weird. Uh, but it, it's probably still the best book about the battleship Yamato and the very dumb way in which it died. Um, so... What do you know about the battleship Yamato other than uh, it ma- keeps making appearances in uh, anime <laughs> for some reason? Uh, it's, it's really big, right? Uh, and then the idea was, uh, it, it didn't it fire like one time during, what was it, late eight golf maybe? Uh, that's mostly correct. Yeah, I will say that is correct because the other times it fired, it was not supposed to. But we'll get to that. <laughs> and then it got sunk. Uh, in 45 that's basically what i know about it yeah i mean you're not wrong um now the yamato began life as most military weapons platforms of its kind kind of do as a giant fuck you to someone else um which you know that's always solid 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 ground in which to build our beautiful battleship guard yeah yeah uh it's it's always it's always nice to build things out of spite isn't it folks (laughs) but this is like imperial spite so it's the worst kind of spite um now after the uh, russo-japanese war and world war one uh japan was the premier imperial power in the pacific along with the united states and in case you aren't entirely sure of how the story ends spoiler alert uh world war ii um uh, now after world war one uh where the u.s and japan were on the same side and pretty much everybody else who didn't lose uh, can continued their military construction projects. That being um, rapid naval expansion, in, in, in particular for this episode, um, it became a part of a kind of a problem, right? Um, like you have all of these people who aren't really allies, but allies of happenstance, rapidly building up naval forces while scrambling over former German colonial territories. It's going to end in a war, right? Um, now, they expanded their navies to the extent that people began to get a little worried that, uh, guys, uh, we can't pay for all of this shit. We should probably cut it out. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Shut up. That's a future problem. Is the, which is kind of funny because if you turn back time just, you know, a couple years before, like there was the, the dreadnought arms race was another like cause for the, the buildup up to World War One. So it's like you guys just did this. Um, right. History's dumb as shit. It's a it's a big dumb Time flat, is a circle. flat, flat circle. Flat circle. Yep. A, a big dumb flat circle, and the train that is running on that circle is being driven by the dumbest man possible. Probably a Habsburg of some kind. Um, however, you know everybody knew that building up naval forces this way was untenable in a long period of time, but nobody wanted to be the first one to blink um, because empire makes people dumb. Um, oh yeah. So, oh, amongst many other things, yes. 
yeah uh today i learned imperialism dumb question mark bad (laughs) deep deep thoughts in the lines of my donkey's podcast um so the world powers eventually (laughs) we're very tired uh the 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 computers that we are working on fucking hate us (laughs) just just let us have stupid takes um Actually, you know, I am a little upset that my headphones broke. Those, that, those headphones and this mic that I'm currently using are the last remaining things from day one of the show. Uh, so you know, the, the mic is still going strong. I have no complaints with it, but now I have to go buy new headphones. Um, the, uh, my old headphones will be buried in full lines led by donkeys regalia and uh, military ceremony. Which Set on is, fire. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um. But, you know, uh, finally, the world powers came together in a joint disarmament agreement uh, at the Washington Naval Conferences of 1922. Uh, This was the first arms control meeting in history and arguably probably the most successful Uh, because well for like 10 years anyway right Uh, because if it was that successful we wouldn't be recording this because it wouldn't have happened Um, uh, the United States China France Britain Italy Belgium the Netherlands Portugal uh, were all invited Germany was not invited uh, due to being forcefully disarmed uh, because of World War one and the Soviet Union wasn't invited because the Russian Civil War literally ended like a week before this uh, so nobody was really, invite. Yeah, yeah like a, no, no real point to like call them to the table the the Soviet Union isn't going to be slapping together huge naval fleets anytime soon you know uh, they're, they're too busy putting the fire out in the house. Uh, which has also been exploded for like 10 years. Um, At the end of the conference, the parties actually did agree to a standard naval displacement size, which is one of the things that people were worried about, right? Like ships are getting bigger and bigger and more expensive and more complicated and more powerful. Um, And for for people who aren't aware of of, of boat speak, which I uh, count myself amongst you, uh, displacement is the overall size of a ship. Um, Now, it also limited aircraft carriers, submarines, and virtually everything else. It also allotted each nation like a certain naval size that they could keep. Um, it, it, was, it was one of the more. It, it sounds like a treaty that a defeated nation gets forced upon them after they lose a war. Right. Um, it's it's also why treaties like this really don't exist anymore. Um, now it was a ten year agreement. Uh, and everybody hoped that uh, if nobody built any nightmarish sea monsters, uh, super carriers, aircraft carriers, <laughs> stuff like that, maybe this whole world peace thing might last because it would force it would kind Woodrow of force Wilson, parody. You son of a bitch. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of would force parody on everybody, right? Like the you know you can't if, if you can't build this dominating navy, why would you go to war with someone who has the same size and kind of navy that you do? It'd be pointless. Like that was kind of its goal. Um, However, in practice, it didn't really work out that way. Uh, for instance, Japan still kind of came out on top. Uh, this is more of a political win and also a military, a military one, but like mostly political. Um, because if, if anybody remembers back to maybe their high school World War I history, if that is a subject that you had in high school, I don't know. Um, but at the end of World War II, Japan was kind of treated like shit. Despite being a member of the victorious allies, they they weren't treated like their peers in Europe or anything. No, it's crazy. I can't believe they would do this. Yeah, like yeah, they weren't part of the the victorious allies. They were just kind of like a sideshow on the Pacific, and they consider this like a pretty big insult to their own imperial glory, as one does. 
because uh, when you have imperial glory, you tend to be insulted over dumb things. Um, uh, now, to be completely honest, despite Japan being awful and all of the countries in Europe also being terrible and also the United States, everybody's bad. Um, most of this boiled down to just good old fashioned European racism. Uh, you're like, it's the same reason why everybody's like, I can't believe that, uh, you know, we didn't know how much killing power all of these weapons had in World War One. And like we did a series on the Russo-Japanese War where like Europe just willfully ignored everything the Japanese learned during that co- that conflict uh, with the idea of like, well, that couldn't happen to us. Uh, they're, no, they're, they're not with our, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Genius. Yeah, it's very stupid. Um, but in this agreement, they were treated like a peer to the other colonial powers of the world. Hell, even better than some of them. Uh, for instance, they were allowed to maintain a larger navy than France, um, You know, a traditionally an imperial power. This is the first time a non-white, non-Western empire was ever treated as an equal in any kind of way, really. And arguably the last time, uh, because, you know, obviously after the Japanese empire gets, uh, you know, the atom split above their heads, there's really no, no, what there's no empires aren't really considered non-white and non-Western anymore. You know, um, I mean, depending on who you ask about Russia, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, anyway, however, just limiting the size of fleets and, and anybody's desire for more sweet, sweet, succulent dirt as both the U S and Japan continue to expand into the Pacific. Though I should asterisk this one a little bit. The U.S. was pretty much already done expanding into the Pacific. Um, this is the 1920s. Uh, Soon we'll take Singapore. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the <laughs> Brits might be mad about that one at the Fuck time. Em. It's ours now. <laughs> uh, Scoreboard. Look at, me, look at me. Look at me. This is my island now. <laughs> uh, like the, uh, by the by the 1920s, the U.S. was pretty much done expanding. Uh, instead, they were doing they were solidly in the. Uh, hold what you got uh type situation um like if you because you know took the philippines took uh you know several pacific islands virtually all that was from the spanish american war um and then the wars that followed were more of like colonial putting out putting out colonial fires like the 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 philippine american war and the the moral rebellion and stuff like that japan was new on the scene because like japan's a new imperial power they're the ones rapidly expanding they had just crushed Russia. Russia had also just crushed itself. Um, like Japan had taken over a lot of former German colonies. So you know, Japan is, the, the, is, is rapidly attempting to take things over, which of course runs directly into the American Empire in the Pacific and also the British uh, and the French and the, the fucking everybody has an empire. Everybody else, at this right. Point. Yeah. Um, and and now, uh during this time, the Japanese Navy uh, doctrine also began to change, or at least it tried to, uh, because if, if there's one thing the Japanese military really likes, it's hating on itself. Um, you know, infighting is notoriously bad during the, the Japanese imperial era of military history. The, the army hates the Navy. The Navy also hates the Navy, depending on what kind of ship you're on. <laughs> the air wing hates the, the, the boat guys. It, it's kind of incredible. Um, now, the Japanese doctrine at the time was had been the same had been used in the Russo-Japanese War almost two decades before, which is literally boils down to big ships, big guns, um, which worked, obviously, legendarily so at the Battle of Tsushima. And if you're new to this show, go listen to our Russo-Japanese War series. 
a lot of people considered our best. I don't know if I agree with that, but at least listen to the, the Tsushima episode. But I recommend who it. can yeah, who can blame them for believing they can continue running like that, right? Um, but but there is a new thing: aircraft carriers and na- naval air power. Um, and most people, most most forward-thinking people that were part of an imperial power with a large navy kind of understood that the aircraft carrier was the way of the future. Um, specifically, Isoroku Yamamoto famously would command the attack on Pearl Harbor, kind of knew that the inevitable war between the US and Japan wouldn't be fought over the seas as much as would be fought over the skies in the sea, right? Um, but like kind of how I pointed out, if there's one thing that is a constant in the Japanese military at this time was infighting. Um, these two groups were the battleship guys versus the carrier guys. Uh, and this happened within the halls of the government. And, you know, even the government is militarily factional. Um, like, uh, just, uh, Japan effectively operates as a military dictatorship with an emperor. Um, so, you know, the army has their guys in government, the navy has their guys in government, and then people also have their battleship and carrier guys. Um, so this war began to happen in the halls of the government into the 1930s when the Japanese government, bear with me here, actually got more nationalists and expansionists. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. That's actually impressive. Yeah. It's, I mean, we talked a lot more about this during our Nanking episodes. Um, so go listen to those series, uh, those three episodes if you, if you really want to. Um, but to make a long story short, Japan at one point wanted a few islands around japan but always wanted china and korea um but now they're thinking like the empire should stretch virtually all across the pacific ocean and southwest asia or sorry southeast asia um this would have been thousands upon thousands of miles of mostly ocean which would require a huge navy in order to conquer defend and then police right um but this was immediately punched in the face by this naval treaty, uh, which they were still a party to. Um, it meant they had not been building any new ships since like 1921. Um, and everything they had been doing was pretty much just upgrades to what they had. Um, and everybody kind of knew in order to build this huge empire and maintain it, they would need to build a much bigger fleet. And um, you know, they've, they've, they found their way out um, in the Manchuria crisis. <laughs> Um, it, it, now, Japan, to make a long story short, fabricated a reason to invade Manchuria. Um, and then they called it an act of self-defense. As you do. Uh, yeah. Uh, thankfully, that is not something that happens anymore uh, in the world, right? Um, but the whole world got pissed off at them. This is like the League of Nations era. Um, everyone was telling them they were a bunch of assholes, and it was very obviously not in self-defense. And uh, so to, to kind of counter everybody telling them they sucked, they withdrew from the, the League of Nations. And with that, all international treaties, this included the naval treaty that was holding them back. So now they're free and clear to build the freakish battleship, battleships of their dreams. Um, enter the, the Yamato class battleship, which is kind of rightly called a super battleship. Um, super battleship and since this is a Japanese super battleship I assume this means it's it's eyes turn blue and it's hair turn blonde after screaming for three episodes <laughs> <laughs> oh wait I actually have a drop for that 
<laughs> Thank you. Um, now, as soon as those trees are gone, they started working on this battleship. Now, here's some raw numbers here for people who want to know, like the the numbers nerds. I know you're out there, uh, but uh, they freaks. Over, you're just you disgust me with your love of arithmetic. <laughs> Now, they looked over 20 different plans, and they settled on a final design by 1937. And just keep in mind of these dates and remember what they're building and just like kind of hold on to that in the back of your head. So they come up with a final design in 1937. Um, the final design called for a standard displacement of 64,000 long tons, um, a full load displacement of 69,988 long tons. Um, and it was armed with a main armament of nine 460 millimeter naval guns mounted in three different three gun turrets. Each one of those turrets weighed more than an entire fucking destroyer. As you do. <laughs> Jesus yes. Christ. Yes. Uh, in, in case you're wondering, yes, it is the largest battleship ever made with the largest guns ever installed in a ship. And that is a, a record that will almost certainly never be broken. Because why the fuck would you do that? Congratulations, Imperial Japanese Navy. You did it. Now, this the super battleship concept was thought of because at this rate, Japan knew that they were going to fight the United States. They considered it inevitable because they they just knew they were eventually going to invade uh, American territories, or uh, because the U.S. finally get sick of them fucking around in China, which that had happened already. Um, no matter what kind of super racial ideology the Japanese Empire subscribed to. Um, when I say it that way, it sounds like the world's worst fucking Patreon. Um, <laughs> they, they, they knew that they, when the war came, they would never be able to build as many ships as the U.S. did uh, once you know the U.S. got onto a war footing. So the idea was is to build a couple of these monster battleships that would be so powerful that they would support the rest of the Japanese fleet to engage the American Navy in a single decisive battle and win the war. Like kind of like a hundred horse ducks or horse sized ducks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're, they're doing the hundred horse sized ducks things. Yeah. 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 They kind of thought the same thing about Pearl Harbor. Cause like, aha, when we destroy all of their Pacific fleet, they'll have no choice, but immediately capitulate to us, which means that despite a lot of uh, Japanese officers training in the United States, they clearly didn't know anything about the United States of America. <laughs> When, like if there's one thing that you can consistently describe the u.s as it's too stupid to quit um, <laughs> and of course for for japan the u.s is operating a different doctrine of shipyard just go burr and you spit out like, <laughs> chips, like a game yeah like and, and the u.s just spits out warships like a game of empire total war with cheats running but this is what they thought at the time like and and when you think about it, it also makes Pearl Harbor make a lot more sense in context when they, they never saw this as a total war as much as we're going to fight for a little bit and then we're going to get terms. Like they didn't they didn't think this sure. ended with the home islands being fucking nuked, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, likewise, Japan is a lot like the United States in the, in the way that up until then, all of their wars had been somewhere else. You know, they've been fighting in China. They've been fighting in Korea, sure. Manchuria, whatever. It's like Japan will be fine. Japan never gets attacked. Oh. Come find out why our healthcare isn't free. <laughs> That's right. Um, now, five different ships of the size were planned and quickly approved by the government with very little uh, dialogue. It really pissed off the uh, the air wing portion of the Navy who said, hey, we need more fucking aircraft carriers. And man, would those guys be right in a couple of years. Um, 
However, only two of the ships would ever actually be finished, the Yamato and the Musashi. And we'll talk a little bit about the Musashi as well today, but we're mostly talking about the Yamato. Um, work began on the Yamato and Hiroshima in 1937. So, okay, just for starters, went from approved to working on in the same year. Um, the ship was comically large to the point they had to haphazardly expand their shipping yards in order to fit it in there and build it. Uh, something you oh, think that's would great. planned out ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, fuck you. But the, but the thing is, is the Musashi class, uh, or sorry, the Yamato class, was meant to be a like a secret. It's like a state secret. So, so and it was considered so secret that workers only learned how big it was going to be and the full details of what they were actually building when they showed up to work. Uh, that's probably not conducive to great construction ability, but I honestly have very little to say about how how bad the construction of the ship went. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. The Japanese also built a giant canopy over the dry docks where it's being built to, as if to hide it from view. What? But it's so Why? goddamn big. <laughs> like, what else it, could man. it be? <laughs> like, this is like a Clifford the Big Red Dog situation. Like, you know that we know that's a dog. Like, why are you hiding right. it under it's that? It's 20 feet tall and red. Right. right. We know what's happening. Yeah. Clifford the Big Red Battleship. Um, I feel like uh, Clifford is more of a Gundam situation. He's being driven by, uh, by something sure. in his head. That's or my conspiracy Emily theory. Louise or whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, construction was done in 1941. So, four years. Not, not even a full four years to build the largest battleship ever made. <laughs> could, could you imagine that happening now? Hey, man, we built the Empire State Building in a year, you know? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, but that's like the same fucking era. Like, back in the day when nobody cared about safety and everything was just slapped together with steel, you could, you could put together a lot in a very short amount of time. There's probably like three Japanese workers just fused into the hall of this fucking thing due to workplace accidents. <laughs> That's rigidity. Remember, fellas, the emperor does not believe in ocean regulations. Safety starts with you as, I, as, I, as I'm sealed into the battleship. So it's, it's a poster that says safety starts with you, and uh, it's a guy just like committing seppuku for fucking up his job. <laughs> Remember, workers, at first you just don't succeed. Kill yourself so it doesn't happen again. <laughs> now, and like, this is, it was launched only nine days after the attack on Pearl Harbor and months ahead of schedule. Um, which I like, as the, I'm honestly quite confused here because for the first time in the history of the show, this happened without any real problems or cost overruns. Uh, and all of the tests went according to plan. Yeah. yeah uh, to be fair, you're just scaling up a boat, Joe. Like, I mean, this isn't the first boat we've talked about. Like, remember the mo- the 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 monitor from the Civil War? Like during the trial, oh, it's all the rest get towed around. That's a new boat. This this is a refined boat, sir. Yeah, like the USS Iowa uh, during its testing after being refitted exploded and killed a whole turret crew. You know, Don't this is the part that. where I say like the Yamato exploded and wiped out like a nursery or something. But like nothing happened. It passed all of its tests without any problems. Um, and ironically, that one of the men who hated the the Yamato more than anybody else in its very existence upon this cursed earth, Isoroku Yamamoto, uh, because he wanted more aircraft carriers, had it assigned to him as his flagship. He's a like, motherfucker. Yeah. Now, this is when the Yamato enters the Pacific War, um, but not really. Despite you know being the combined fleet flagship with Isoroku Yamamoto on board, it was kept far away from any danger. Um, because you don't want your admiral slugging it out with the enemy fleet and getting like I don't know clapped between the shoulder blades by a cannon, um, bad for morale and shit. 
now, the Pacific War at sea was fought in such a way that it proved Yamamoto completely correct about the future of naval warfare and rendered the Yamato relatively useless. Uh, like uh, there's a battle of Midway and the battle of yeah, the battle of Coral Sea. Uh, like that happened at such a range that the two fleets never actually saw or fired on one another, um, which rendered cartoonishly large battleships kind of as in a, you know, uh, uh, a dinosaur, right? And uh, we're eventually going to talk about Midway and Coral Sea and all that. We're going to every battle that we talk about during this episode at a later time is definitely going to get its own episode or series. But, you know, the, the Yamato's there, so we have to bring them up. Um, now, it's the Yamato sat through all of these campaigns without ever really doing anything and then was parked near the Caroline Islands um, and effectively just parked there and done nothing with because. While the Japanese thought its Acme-ass-sized guns are really cool, they hadn't actually thought about how hard it would be to make bullets that size. Um, so they didn't have any. So it had turrets the size of destroyers, but had no ammunition. Great. Don't make oh, me tap the sign about logistics. That's, that's good foresight. That's good foresight, boys. Oh, I got an even dumber one for you. So this is during the entire Guadalcanal campaign, uh, and there the, the Yamato sat unable to support the Japanese ground forces because they had no fucking ammo. Um, also, a, a bigger problem that Japan really could never fix, uh, which again, they should have known from the time they drew this thing on a napkin in a bar somewhere. Um, the Yamato uses a lot of goddamn fuel, and we do not have enough yeah, fuel to say. actually use it. Yeah. <laughs> so they literally parked it there because they didn't have gas. <laughs> Much like your shitty broke friend in high school, the Japanese Empire did not have five dollars for gas. <laughs> um, now, probably this is again probably something they should have thought about while they're on the drawing board uh, as a country without any fuel reserves of their own, and most of the entire reason why this war started in the first place. You know, the lack of fuel from the United States. But you know, who am I? I'm not the emperor of Japan. You fucking moron. Um, <laughs> There, there was there was also an even more basic problem that the Japanese had never actually charted the waters around Guadalcanal, and they were afraid they're just going to run their giant monster ship aground. Which, to be spoiler fair, they, they alert, probably Joe. would have. Well, is it a spoiler about me eventually becoming the Emperor of Japan? I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. You know? Uh, I, I got I got some things in the oven. You know, <laughs> at, at best, Isles I can hope for is like imperial side piece. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not a bad place to be. Yeah, it's just a just you know, podcast or a concubine. Hey, uh, uh, Emperor, uh, Emperor's wife, who I name I can't remember, slide in my DMs if you're listening to the show. Please. <laughs> I believe the show has just been banned in Japan. Um, oh, well, we had a good run. Now, all of those things are logistical reasons are very stupid. Um, uh, but one more is actually even uh, is a secret, uh, secret dumb sauce to this overall dumb gumbo that we're building here. I don't know soups. Um, it's politics. <laughs> all right. Just for fucking forget oh, what I said. It's politics. <laughs> the Yamato class is something of a thing of national pride for Japan. Nobody wanted to be the guy who commanded it and got it fucked up. You know, like if your dad had a really nice car, you're not going to be, you don't want to be the one that like borrows it and like, I don't know, hits the mailbox or Scrip, something. Scrapes it short. Right. Yeah. Like, Nobody wanted to be like Isoroku Yamamoto purposely never committed the, committed it to combat for reasons of it was his flagship. And also, I don't want to be the one that scratched the paint on this fucking thing. Um, <laughs> but in 1943, Yamamoto died uh, in, in a very weird American assassination plot involving fighter planes, which is very fun. And we will talk about it at some point in the future. Hell yeah, um, dude. 
But the rest of the combined fleet commanders were just as reluctant to actually use the fucking thing. Um, so it sat at the Caroline Islands for two years, um, not doing anything. Um, and despite that, uh, it's sitting there for two years, it broke. Like it had all sorts of mechanical problems. Um, because Ran one part. Yeah. Because uh, one of the magical things about military equipment, vehicles, ships, planes, whatever it is, is they have a mysterious and, and powerful ability to break without doing anything and just sitting there. It's like every Monday when I was in the army and you have to go like check your vehicles uh, for uh, pre-maintenance checks. Like, how the fuck does this thing have a have a like an oil leak? It hasn't moved. Like it just randomly spring an oil leak. Like parts parts fall apart. The things things fall apart, Joe. The center cannot hold. Now, as if to further underline how kind of useless such a large ship was, after repairs were completed, she was turned into a transport ship uh, rather than a bear, uh, like being used for her original intention. Uh, ferrying soldiers around to different islands during the island hopping campaign. Um, and while doing this off the coast of the Admiralty Islands, she was hit with a torpedoed fire from the USS Skate. Because this is back when the US pretty much just named all of its submarines after fish. Um, like there's quite a few weird US submarine names in this episode. Um, it's a submarine with an illustrious history that it was only in service for three years before being used to, uh, as target practice for the nuke test at Bikini Atoll. Uh, Outstanding. <laughs> yeah. Go USS Skate. Um, but the torpedo opened a 16-foot-wide hole in its side um, because it turned out that the Yamato was not armored for torpedoes. Whoops. Uh, they, yeah. they, they had, had <laughs> been talked about. Yeah. Big uh, big oversight there for a battleship in, in the 40s. Um, they, they had almost installed it, but it was, it was decided that it was not important uh, and it weighed too much. Um, but uh, the ship was also so huge that this, this torpedo would have killed a smaller ship. Um, but the Yamato is so fucking big that it could take on 3,000 tons of water and not sink. Uh, and it Jesus made it back for repairs. Yeah. Once again, it was used as a troop transport and ferried supplies uh, and men for the Battle of the Philippine Sea. Uh, this is a battle that went so badly for the Japanese that the Americans jokingly referred to it as the Great Marianas Turkey Shoot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 426 Japanese planes were shot down and three aircraft carriers were destroyed. So things are not going great. Not going great for the Japanese Empire. However, this is where the Yamato finally fired its guns in anger by accidentally shooting a friendly transport ship and missing before then wildly opening fire with its AA guns on friendly planes as they flew by. Solid work, everybody. You did it. Getting that campaign star. No, seriously. uh, So I found a detailed log of all of the Yamato ship's movements. And this is the first time I could find outside of gunnery practice that they had fired uh, any of their weapons. Uh, but I did find a really fun little gem for, uh, from the memo. Quote, November 1st, 1942, aboard Yamato, a festive dinner is held for all skippers. So that's nice. <laughs> they had a festive well, dinner. Good job. Yeah, yeah. You deserved it. Uh, you know, shooting at your own people. Um, yeah. That, you know, takes, big boy needs to eat. You know. It's hard work. After that, the ship underwent more refits, and uh, these ones are much more extensive and seem to have been made just because life in the Japanese military has to be as miserable uh, at all as it possibly can be at all times. For example, while under refit, everything flammable was removed from the ship. This included all bedding, sheets, blankets, everything. So you're probably asking, like, okay, so what the fuck do they sleep on? Uh, well, from here on out, Shut up. Uh, they the crew aboard the ship, all 3,233 of them, which would sleep on planks of wood. 
No thanks. Yeah. Uh, without any pillows or blankets. Um, and if you're wondering, no what's the upside here? Well, it's that the plank of wood could be used as a repair kit should something happen aboard the ship. That was, that was it. Imagine, if you will, you're in the Japanese Navy. You've somehow managed to survive into, into like late into the war. And you're like, man, we've just been torpedoed. My last ship got blown up. All of my friends who, got, who, who became pilots are dead. Uh, like we can, we barely have anything to eat. What could possibly be worse? Like, hey boys, <laughs> hey boys, go ahead and throw all your blankets overboard and sleep on this plank of wood. Like motherfucker, I don't want to be here. <laughs> can someone just kill us already? Now, finally, the goddamn thing would be used as originally intended on October of 1944 at the Battle of Leyte Gulf, one of the largest ba- uh, naval battles of all time. Oh, but you know, just kidding. Uh, it didn't actually get to be used as it originally intended because it got ambushed by two submarines, the Darter and the Dace. Uh, they ambushed the Japanese convoy as it passed through the Palawan Passage uh, as it was on its way to the battle. Virtually every other ship around the Yamato got hit and went down. Uh, and the Yamato actually managed to struggle through the ambush without getting too messed up. The, once again, the Yamato never fired a shot. The next day, the Musashi was Red sunk during the Battle of the Sibian Sea. <laughs> and then the Yamato made it into the centermost battle of the larger battle of the Leyte Gulf, the Battle Off of Samar. Now, this is the one where the Yamato finally actually fights. Um, and we will almost certainly cover this in detail at some point. Uh, and it's one of the few places in uh, outside of like Pearl Harbor that the Japanese caught the Americans by surprise. Um, and that's with the, the heavily armed Yamato and 22 other large ships coming up against the somewhat hilariously named Task Force Taffy 3 um, for the U.S. Navy. They were made up of maybe a... Like, Task Force Taffy sounds like like a government investigation into a tainted Taffy factory. Like, we have (laughs) have looked into the source of the contamination. (laughs) The Willy Wonka madness. (laughs) (laughs) Why is there gunpowder in all the candy? (laughs) Because it's good. This is how candy should be. You bite into it too hard, you blow your fucking teeth out. <laughs> That's uh, right. Uh, the Task Force Taffy 3 was made up out of a dozen destroyers and destroyer escorts, none of which had the firepower to counter something like the Yamato or really even dent its, dent its bumper. You know, That's, of course, if requiring that the Yamato was good at its job because it wasn't. Um, another thing with, um, you know, not having a ton of ammo, right? Like, you know, they're still struggling to have uh, surplus ammo and fuel for that matter is it's kind of hard to train people if you don't have that kind of stuff. So the Yamato's crew, despite many of them being there for years at this point, were pretty much brand new sailors. <laughs> like, if you think about it, all they've been doing is ferrying people and supplies around. They have fired their guns maybe like five times. So they're not exactly an experienced crew. Um, And this is where the Yamato trained its guns on an enemy ship for the first time and opened fire. The battleship's official record states that it sank a destroyer, which the crew actually mistook for a cruiser. But this claim is completely unsubstantiated. Nobody else ever saw it. Also, there's no evidence that it killed one. Terrific. Uh, other than their own crew, who remember were quite an experience, just kind of eye fucking it, like, oh, we totally hit that one. Um, and the Japanese fleet during the uh, uh, the Battle of uh, of Samar was badly confused, oftentimes getting turned around and lost and firing on themselves. As the uh, the Task Force Taffy three ships kind of did their best to run around and fuck with them because they were 
you know, having a uh, they have, having a one hell of a last stand here. Um, so there's also a very good chance that the Yamato did hit a ship and just happened to be one of their own. Um, also, this would be the last time the Yamato would fire its guns. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> good job. Terrific uh, work. A plus. Morons. Japan built the largest ship in the history of battleships, only for it to fire its gun in anger precisely twice, hit nothing, uh, except maybe also its own ship. So that's cool. Um, uh, okay. I, I do need to point out here, there's probably some people that are getting mad at me that I'm not going into the Battle of Samar, the Task Force Ta- Taffy 3 story in depth, because that's absolutely a, uh, a story for, for a series or an episode. Uh, or the Battle of Late Takeoff in general, right? So that, that's going to be something else at some point. I don't want to tell, tell it all here and have to retell it later. Now, sure. during the Battle Off of Samar, the Yamato is once again forced to pull back, not from battle damage or anything else. It ran low on gas again. Oh, after, again, probably not hitting anything. Um, but remember, this was 1944. Um, the, the, the fuel shortage in Japan is hitting like critical levels. Uh, so at this point, they put the Yamato in dry dock for over a year uh, because they just don't have gas for it. Um, at which time, uh, a, a very few people outside of the psychos within the Imperial Court, meaning you know the high commanders for the military and, um, and a few politicians, everyone knew all well that Japan was truly fucked and the war was not going to be won. Uh, unfortunately, for you know the Japanese and most of the world. Um, one of the psychos who, tr- who still truly believed in the concept of a Japanese victory, or at least a negotiated defeat, was Emperor Hirohito. Um, you know, oftentimes oh, he is. Yeah, oftentimes he skips criticism. Uh, if anybody has listened to our our Nanking episodes, you'll know that that is not. So that should not be the case. Uh, he very much had an active hand in the war, and he's a fucking asshole. But uh, no. Hirohito did not believe that you know Japan was going to be you know, conquering victorious heroes or whatever, but he believed that Japan still had the ability to win just one decisive battle in such a way that the Americans would decide to negotiate rather than to like continue kicking them in the teeth and laughing about it repeatedly, which has been going on for about two years now. You know, I will negotiate, um, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, negotiate with my boots. Uh, it, it's <laughs> it's one of those things that like. They obviously they weren't going to retake the empire or anything, but they also didn't realistically believe that like they had to worry about you know Tokyo being invaded. But now they really did because um, this is happening during the Battle of, of Okinawa, and that's where Hirohito decided that this is where the decisive battle would need to be. Hence the you know the horrific Kamikaze wave attacks uh, unleashed by the Fifth Air Fleet, which had been given responsibility for defending the island. Uh, uh, we talked more about this during our episode on kamikazes a long time ago, but the the, the Okinawa kamikaze attacks were insanely damaging uh, to the American fleet. Hundreds of ships were fucked up by it. Uh, but you know the the problem is is you eventually run out of kamikazes, right? Like mm, yeah, it's, yeah, it's expendable resource. Yeah, when people are your bullets, you know. Um, but also the kamikaze were we're never going to be enough to ch- turn the tide of the war. But uh, Emperor Hirohito. Uh, then instructed the Imperial Navy to join the island's defense. Now, many people in the in the in the senior Navy ranks uh, kind of were shocked at this. Uh, they considered a huge waste of the Navy's remaining warships and resources, as they barely had enough to defend the home islands. 
it, should it come down to that, which at that time they absolutely were thinking it would. Like the once great Imperial Japanese Navy was less than a dozen or so operational ships at this point. Everything else had been destroyed. Um, and mind you, they don't have gas. They don't have fuel. They barely have right, ammo. They have nothing. Right. Yeah. And they pointed this out um, and uh, point out another very important part is like the naval force might not even be able to reach Okinawa as they had no more aircraft carriers or planes. So like the entire convoy would have to go towards Okinawa without any air cover directly towards the massive uh, uh, American Navy parked off of Okinawa and bombing at the ship. Right. And then there was, oh, by the way, we did find some gas. However, there's only enough for a one-way trip to Okinawa, meaning it was, by default, a suicide mission. Outstanding work. Yeah, that, that's what you like to hear in the planning phase of operation. Um, nevertheless, hey, well, you're not coming back, boys. See ya. Yeah. Uh, the plan went forward because having an emperor is not exactly the best form of government. Um, it was dubbed Operation Tengo, or Heaven One, as opposed to the sequel, which we all know is much worse. This is put with uh, put under the command of Vice Admiral Sichi Ito, who was tasked with leading a fleet composed of the Amato, the cruiser Yahagi, and eight destroyers. The entire plan looks looked more like something you might try in like World of Warships or some other video game than in real life, which also might be why I never had a hope of actually succeeding. Um, the plan w- was literally to just crash through the American fleet that was off the coast of Okinawa, aim for mostly supply ships hit the beach, run aground, and then become the world's most expensive pillbox until it got destroyed. Sure. At which point, the survivors, if there were any, were to jump out of this burning wreckage of the world's largest fucking battleship and run onto the, uh, run onto the island and join the army in defending it. Uh, oh, Flawless sure. plan, right? Yeah, bulletproof. Yeah, fucking yeah. amazing. I, I've, th- this plan was written with a crayon. Like That's Emperor so Hirohito good, making explosion noises and stuff. <laughs> It's like, you know, guys, it's totally going to work. It's like, the ritual, of, and I'll give you that. A whole bunch of admirals are like, we're going to fucking die, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen I don't this know. in three days. Let's do this. <laughs> I don't know how many of my sailors the, the emperor is going to kill, but I know how many I have, and it's not many. <laughs> <laughs> well, the crew was not super happy about this mission. Is this... You know, people often like to frame the Japanese military as like brainwashed, etc., because it's you know very simplistic. And you know that may have been the case for large groups, because obviously peer pressure is a huge thing. Um, but aboard the Yamato, people were not fucking happy. Um, and that on a mission that like they they weren't told that like ah oh, we're gonna die for the the emperor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But once everybody heard the uh, the the details of the mission, like oh. So we're going to die, huh? Okay. Well, I have things planned for the future, but I suppose I'll fucking die instead, guy. Thanks. Um, and it was such an obvious death sentence that the captain of the Yamato kicked all the naval cadets off the ship before they set off um, because they were considered too young. Uh, a few guys were able to fake being sick and got transferred to a different ship. Um, however, this also meant other sailors had to be transferred onto the Yamato so they could die. Something oh, I'm really guys. sure they were not excited about. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Look, I'm just saying. If I was on the Yamato, like, man, uh, my butthole is burning. Can I please go to a different ship? Look at it. Look how big it is. <laughs> I'm dying. 
I am bleeding out Just of every orifice. To show someone. Love to show my prolapsed anus and get off the cursed oh. battleship. <laughs> you leave that in, Nate. <laughs> I would drink fuel to fake an illness, but we don't have any of that either. Um, and then it happened, here. <laughs> this place sucks. All I have, all I have, is this plank of wood. <laughs> getting splinters. The captain even took pity on older sailors, some of whom were over forty years old, and sent them home. With the excuse was they sucked at their job anyway, so they might as well send them back to their families. Uh, mind you, the rest of the crew, some of whom were only 17 years old, again, probably not super happy about that. They're like, why the fuck do I get to die? I'm 17. That old fuck has had an entire ass life. Let him stay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> then on the night before the mission uh, was set to go, the Japanese military did have one thing in copious amounts. Sake. Uh, so they just like loaded barrels of sake onto these fucking ships and let everybody get shit-faced. Um, because, I mean, if there's anything worse than going on a suicide mission, it's going on a suicide mission with a hangover from sake. Uh, though, I would also like to, I would like to believe that they just kept drinking through the whole thing to make it more, like, tolerable. Like, look, our skills don't actually matter here. We might as well be fucking drunk. Now, this operation, it required the entire uh, convoy of ships now called the Surface Attack Special Force or Surface Special Attack Force, depending on how you read it. Which, admittedly, cool name, I guess. Um, just, uh, I feel like that could be a band name, but not a good band. Like it, it would be like, Hey, do you remember warp tour in 2009? Did you see surface special attack force on the fourth stage behind the fucking beer tent? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I got kicked in the pit there. I assume. Yeah. Someone in that band has been me too'd, you know, <laughs> like, like every other band who's <laughs> yeah, ever no, gone to warp tour. They have, they have, they have, they have it. Don't worry. Yeah. God damn it. I hate this scene, man. <laughs> Uh, every every time I hear something else about some band I enjoyed like 20 years ago or 10 years ago, I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Of course they did. Well, of course. Oh, he's a pervert. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, now, this required the special surface attack force to surprise the American forces and take them unaware. However, this is something that the Japanese kind of knew they couldn't do that great as the American code breakers had been owning their shit for years at this point. Um, though having your plans being openly transmitted to the enemy have never really stopped the Japanese Navy before. The Americans wouldn't know exactly what was going on, um, uh, but they did f- hear that the Japanese, like they, they did hear the Japanese Navy was moving out. Um, and there's only one place you're going to go. Okinawa is the only show in town at the time. Uh, so, of course, they didn't know that like the plan re- required the Japanese Navy to Leroy Jenkins themselves directly into the American fleet. <laughs> but like they, they knew like the fleet is setting off. They could only be coming here. Admiral Raymond Spruance, the commander of the U.S. Fifth Fleet, ordered a pack of submarines to station themselves off the southern approaches to Japan's inland sea. This is because everybody knew at this point that the vast majority of the Imperial Japanese Navy was like docked. And if they set out, there's only one place they could go. So, yeah, uh, and they, they found out quite quickly, like, oh, okay, they're going this way. One of the subs cited the Yamato, and Spruance was about to order six battleships to go and fight it until Admiral Mark Mitcher got pissed off and demanded that he be allowed to kill the ship with his carrier-based planes. And I would really like to think he did this as a fuck you to the Japanese Navy, given that the Yamato was literally built for ship-on-ship fighting. He's like, no, we're not even going to get it. We're not even going to give them the satisfaction of dying in a ship battle. Let me use my planes. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> and uh, Spruance, after getting yelled at by his subordinate, finally just said, you know what? 
quote, fine, you take them. I don't care. <laughs> That's so, The Japanese fleet ran directly into Admiral Mark Misher's Task Force 58, which was waiting for them. Uh, it was made up of 16 fast carriers and escort battleships, cruisers, and destroyers. So the Amato was well and truly fucked. At first, rather than directly assault the Japanese ships, the Americans sent in fighter aircraft to clear away Japanese air cover, assuming, like anybody else, that why the fuck would you send out a naval force without carrier-based planes covering them? And uh, they found out that there simply were none. Um, and so they could kind of like flow, flew around in circles like, uh, what do we do now, guys? Um, but, yeah, like, uh, are they? Are we? Are we punked? Are we being punked right now? Where the? Where are the Japanese planes? <laughs> oh, you brought all. All of the pilots are. Well, it's dead. just some guys. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher flies a fucking Japanese zero in, into the fray. <laughs> the the last episode of of punked got really dark. I don't really understand why they went with that angle. Uh, now. Uh, at this point, the, the carriers began spitting out dive bombers and torpedo bombers. Eventually, 300 American planes took the air to attack the Japanese convoy. Shortly afternoon, the Yamato detected incoming aircraft, and at 12.32, the first wave of Americans attacked. Knowing how important the Yamato was to the overall but very, very stupid plan, the Yahagi peeled away, trying to pull the attention of the attacking planes onto themselves and give the Yamato time to keep going, but that didn't even work for 10 minutes. From this point on, the Amato is pretty much in a shooting gallery. A pair of a thousand pound bombs struck the starboard side near the aft tower, destroying the aft radar room of the Yamato. Minutes later, two more bombs hit and set dozens of fires across the ship, which, according to the book uh, uh, that, for this, that they used for this episode, the crews didn't even attempt to put them out. Like, ah, whatever, let it burn. Who gives a fuck? Fuck, I don't fucking care, man. Me and my prolapse are getting off the phone. <laughs> God. Another bomb exploded below deck, while still another annihilated the aft 155 millimeter turret. Um, and then the, the turret exploded, sending burning fragments into other magazines, uh, and exploded a different turret, melting the turret crew to the wall like a fine uh, coat of paint. Then it got hit with three torpedoes along the port side, tearing a giant hole down the side of the ship and flooding the outboard port engine. Um, another torpedo hit the auxiliary steering room and caused more flooding. Another ship was listing a full six degrees. This is generally known oh, in, <laughs> in sea life as bad. Um, however, the, the, the captain hit them with a pro gamer move of simply flooding the other side of the ship on purpose to bring it back, <laughs> <laughs> to, to bring it back level. Then the second wave uh, arrived at 1259. So all this has happened in about 20 minutes. The incoming planes kept uh, attacking the damaged port side, but missed. But it had been so badly damaged that the shockwaves of their bombs exploding into the ocean still caused damage to the inside. <laughs> Even though the ship's anti-air defenses had been upgraded, it really didn't matter because the AA crews were swamped with enemy planes as the U.S. utilized the tried-and-true Zerg rush strategy. 300 American planes circled the dying model like vultures. That's a lot of planes. <laughs> yeah. If vultures drop the thousand pound bombs on their prey, which would be cool, honestly, arm the vultures. The massive main cans of the ship had been also firing AA shells. They're called the Sanshiki shells. This is effectively a carpeted the sky with burning shrapnel that hung up there and could set planes on fire and stuff. It didn't matter. 
Um, another explosion causes ship to list so much that the main cans can even be used anymore. More and more bombs hit this goddamn thing. It refused to die. At so far, it had been it hit with that. Honestly, <laughs> I know, right? Like that's the thing. It it, it worked <laughs> great until it got hit with eight torpedoes and fifteen bombs in twenty minutes. <laughs> I'll never go down. Me and my prolapsed butthole are gonna butt chug this sake. You come out and take me. <laughs> it's it's literally that that picture of the dog on fire and it's like this is fine but it's like a japanese admiral in, in his, sake. <laughs> yeah it's a japanese admiral holding a cup of sake in a burning ship like we got him right where we want him boys this is fine <laughs> ah. one of the uh, one of the bombs blew up the power to the aa guns cruise of uh, this thing called a gun director um, so it's kind of a power cell that moves the AA guns because they're huge, right? Otherwise, you have to manually crank them. So now all of the Japanese anti-aircraft crews are are moving in slow motion because they have to manually crank these giant AA guns. Um, which, thankfully for them, uh, it was the least of their worries because uh, by 1 p.m. the ship was listing so badly to the port side they couldn't even use their AA guns anymore. It was listing to 18 degrees. Uh, but still moving somehow. It was Whatever, still man. Florida, 18 knots. <laughs> yeah. They had flooded so much that the captain was running out of places to counter flood to bring the ship back level. And at this point, he was he said, fuck it, and counter flooded the starboard engine room. <laughs> <laughs> so now the ship is barely moving. Um, but it's still moving. It's kind of like if you out if, if 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 you were put in a situation and you have to outrun a grizzly bear, and for some reason your only option is shoot yourself in the kneecap. That's what he did. <laughs> this worked for about another 10 minutes as the last wave of american attack planes began to make it rain it was hit with four more bombs three hit the port <laughs> side amidship and one on the bow powered to most of the ship's guns was already completely severed and then another torpedo flooded its uh one of its last two engines and a different torpedo uh honestly did the funniest thing it could do explode under the ship's rudder jamming it in place so rather than killing it the ship is still moving forward under one engine at like five knots or something but it's locked into a counterclockwise turn because the rudder is now dead so it's in a literal (laughs) spiral but still going just fire gutting out everywhere in in a in a in a in a limp dead circle refusing to die now the ship was listing so badly that its unarmored underbelly was now exposed above the water. Oh, sucks to suck, I guess. So they fired a torpedo into that, and it still didn't fucking die. Uh, it was listing at 22 degrees and going at eight knots and in a un like uncorrectable circle of death. And but like the captain's like, "Fuck you! I'm still going. I still got this, baby." <laughs> All gas, no brakes. <laughs> it's just me and the all gas, no brakes, except the gas is sucking. Yeah, except the gas. Because we ran out of gas. Yeah, there's, there's no gas because all we're <laughs> we Japan only have sake. Too. Let's do this. At this point, virtually everything is on fire. The bridge had uh, just about every alarm that could be screaming at them uh, was screaming at them. But the most important one was the main magazine was overheated and it was going to explode. This is generally known as how you kill a ship, right? Even a ship as big as the Amato. At 2 p.m., the captain finally gave the order to abandon ship. So this has been going on for two hours at this point. Uh, and at that, they fl- they tried to flood the magazine with seawater to prevent an explosion, therefore giving the crew more time to escape. 
Unfortunately, they found they'd been hit with so many goddamn bombs and torpedoes that the mechanism used for flooding the magazine was broken. So they couldn't. Little red, I'll just go back inside. I'm just going back inside. <laughs> Whatever. Tell him I'm here. It's that scene from Titanic where the guy just sit, the captain just watches the ocean crash through the window. <laughs> and it's just another fucking torpedo, probably. At this point, the ship is listing so badly, a goddamn torpedo could launch into the captain's estate room. Um, now, uh, the captain and fleet commander went down with the ship, but as honorable as that sounds, pretty much everybody else did too, because he waited so fucking long to order the, uh, the, the ship to be abandoned. <laughs> Only 20 minutes after the ship was abandoned, or was ordered abandoned, the Yamato exploded, putting out a fireball so large that it could be seen from the Japanese city of Kagoshima, 180 miles away, and probably when the <laughs> That's biggest explosion. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and probably the bi- biggest explosion anyone in Japan would see for at least a few more weeks. Oh. Now, <laughs> now out of the Yamato's 3,322 crewmen, 3,055 of them died. Uh, only 23 officers and 246 enlisted men survived. Um, now you're probably wondering, wow, the American losses for taking out that ship must be a lot. Nope. The Americans lost 10 aircraft and 12 men. And not, that's not just the attack on the Amato, but the, the entire fleet, including like the Yahagi and the five destroyers. So in the end, the world's largest and most powerful ship, uh, battleship ever built died in two hours after a short lifespan of doing absolutely nothing. Um, but uh, it still holds the record. It, it can claim that. Congratulations, boys. Uh, you, you did it. Now, Liam, oh, thank you for joining me here today. You're welcome. We do a thing here on this show called Questions from the Legion. If you would like to ask us a question from the Legion, donate to the show, ask us on Patreon or our Discord, like I just asked the Discord before we started recording. Um, and we will answer it on air. Um, what's the dumbest way you almost died? That's a good one. Oh, this could go. This could go the distance for both of us because we're both very stupid. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to distill uh, moonshine when I was uh, nineteen or twenty, and uh, the still blew up. Oh, did you jump in a time machine from the fucking twenties or something? Shut up, man! It was it was you'd working the, so good. You'd be the good. first motherfucker to die in a still explosion since shut Al Capone up. was machine shut gunning up. people. <laughs> Just shut up! You have a TBI. Now, uh, mine actually. Anybody who's ever read the Hooligans of Kandahar probably already knows this one. But um, once upon a time, when I was in Afghanistan, I uh, I was having to lead the patrol as the point man, and I was really mad at my lieutenant at the time. Uh, I don't exactly remember why, to be completely honest. Uh, and he, cause like, you know, when you, uh, when you pick someone to be point man, you pick someone you trust to be point man, you can't micromanage a point man, right? Like you have to leave them alone because you trust them to not like lead the patrol into a bomb or whatever. So you're walking around, checking everything, making sure there's no suspicious wires, plates, whatever, whatever. And, but like the whole time he's micromanaging me, I'm like, this guy's fucking, and this is like, a, we're, we're walking for 12 fucking hours, right? Like I, this is driving me insane. So to spite him. I, I I saw like whenever I saw anything suspicious, I'd just go and jump on it. Like I literally just kick it. Like, uh, do you see, sir? I'm checking it. Do you see? I'm checking it as I'm kicking all these things that could very easily be bombed and killed. You're very <laughs> dumb. <laughs> yeah, I was I was not a smart person. I'm I'm not a smart person, but I also wasn't then either. Anyway, 
That is today's questions from Legion. I would like to thank everybody for listening today. I'd like to thank Liam for struggling through technical problems, which seems to be a, a, a theme now we didn't normally have. Um, no, now we do. Yeah. Uh, Liam, plug your shows. Uh, 10,000 losses. Well, there's your problem. Say it or screw it. Listen to those. Put those in your ear holes. And uh, everybody, thank you for listening. If you like what we do here on the show, uh, consider supporting us on Patreon. You get a ton of stuff, uh, bonus episodes, Discord access, um, stuff like that. You get this episode before anybody else. Um, and if you if you don't want to do that, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. Uh, but you know, leaving us a review is free and it helps us. So maybe consider doing that. Uh, again, everybody, Liam, thank you. And until next time, uh, build the giant stupid battleships and then do nothing with them. <laughs>